The NHL season is finally over, and the Vegas Golden Knights are the Stanley Cup champions. What moves do they need to make this offseason, and can they repeat next year? We'll also talk about Oliver ekman Larson's buyout in Vancouver and talk about the idea of Eric Carlson getting traded out of San Jose. All of this coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi and hello, hockey fans. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Western Conference Tuesdays. My name is Dane Lewis, host of Locked On Stars, and joining me as always on Tuesdays is host of Locked On Wild, Seth Topol. And Seth, this is the last that we get to talk about the 22-23 NHL season. It's been over for a week now. The Vegas Golden Knights crowned champions in five games over the Florida Panthers. And let's just start here. Were you expecting as big of a blowout as we got in game five? Or do you think that that was a pretty good summation of the season that Vegas had and the postseason run that they had? I I think it kind of signified the state of where the Florida Panthers were at as that series went on. They had thrown everything that they had at the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think with uh, Matthew Kachuk just being... A, in a body cast, essentially, by the time the series ended. I think you saw a Florida team that just kind of ran out of steam. They had tried all these different things. You know, they were just trying as much as they could to try to throw off the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Golden Knights, to their credit, were completely unflappable. And so am I surprised that a series-clinching game was as lopsided as it was? Not necessarily, although it is just weird to see that many goals scored in a deciding game in any circumstance, but just under underscores, I think that this was Vegas's year. They throttled pretty much everybody that they played in the postseason, And so it just was kind of their victory lap. Um, obviously with it being uh, in Vegas, got it gave the uh, crowd a chance to start the celebration early and, by all accounts, I think they're still partying out there. So uh, it has been a uh, good run for the Golden Knights. And, you know, credit to them for being the team that was left standing uh, when the season was done. They definitely earned it. They were one of the best teams during the regular season. And, um, yeah, it was just it was uh, it was fun despite all of the lopsided games. It was just fun to see the season come to that culmination point um, that we started back in October. Absolutely. And you you hit the nail on the head of, you know, saying it's exciting it, to some extent to see the Vegas Golden Knights win the championship. I know many people, myself included, can sometimes, you know, like, like, like to dog on them or, you know, try to tear them down. But at the end of the day, a lot of these players, I mean, it was beyond their control of them going to Vegas and they have made the most of their situation. Uh, you know, all of the the misfits, if you will. And I think that was a really cool move. I know that that was covered at the start of the game, the whole starting lineup in game five. Uh, you know, the the misfit players, the guys that were there via the expansion draft. And so to see, you know, a lot of these players get their, you know, to see their storyline end or not necessarily end, but get to a point where they win a Stanley Cup uh, is incredibly cool. And Jonathan Marcheseau, the Conn Smythe winner, I think deservedly so. Jack Eichel, a great performance as well. But 
you, you look at this Vegas team and it's an interesting position and uh, there's a potentially different discussion to be had about circumventing the cap and all of that, but a lot of the key players on this roster set to return for next season. We've talked at nauseum about the goaltending situation, but what do you think is the biggest priority for the Vegas Golden Knights going into this offseason? Because, I mean, looking, Ivan Barbashev might be the biggest name free agent on their books, maybe Aiden Hill as well. What do you think the biggest priority needs to be for the Knights this offseason? You know, I'm not to uh, not to go back right to that topic, but I think it is the goaltending situation is the biggest thing for this team because three of those guys, Aiden Hill for one, but also Jonathan Quick and Lauren Brassois are all unrestricted free agents. You have Logan Thompson. You also have Robin Leonard, who was on long-term injured reserve. And so you have to get clarity as to what that goalie situation is going to look like. Do you go out and try to get somebody to be the starter? Or do you take the opportunity to kind of meet in the middle with Aiden Hill and say, this may have been him playing a little above where he would be during you know, a, a normal season, we may have seen the the best that there is for him to offer. And so we're not probably going to get that. So do you offer him a contract just for some stability and net? But that goalie situation for them is going to look drastically different next year. I mean, I don't think they'll bring Jonathan Quick back, whether or not they bring Brassois back for that um, stretch of games that he had where he looked pretty good. It's it's going to be quite the difference, especially if teams start to throw money at Aiden Hill. So they have to get that taken care of. But you're you're right on in that. I think the other biggest fish is going to be uh, Ivan Barbashev, who being a uh, a player that can play higher up in the lineup, he's going to get some some interest from around the league, and that includes Western and Eastern Conference teams. And that then leads to bidding wars, and that leads to teams paying more than maybe other teams are comfortable with. But I think he's a guy that will get a nice contract this offseason, uh, and that may price him out of Vegas's range. Beyond that, I mean, they they do have uh, Phil the Thrill. Phil Kessel is an unrestricted free agent, and now that he has gotten another cup, now that he's gotten a chance to eat. Uh, some dogs out of the Stanley Cup. Does he hang it up? Um, it, it's going to be a fascinating offseason for the Vegas Golden Knights because, as you alluded to, now they have the target on their back and everybody's going to be trying to knock them off the top of the mountain all season long. So can they can they add some depth pieces to what they were able to do this past year when they made their run? Or are they going to be one of those teams like, say, the Tampa Bay Lightning where you just can't cultivate that same type of roster that gets you up to the uh, up to the promised land again. Absolutely, I think all of those really good points. Phil Kessel, obviously, you know, a great player across his NHL career, winner of multiple cups. But yeah, that's an interesting aspect of it too. Something that I overlooked. Thirty-five years old, and who knows whether or not he thinks his body's still able to you know, play and compete here in the playoffs and the postseason, especially because you didn't see a ton of fill the thrill in the postseason. Barbashev, interesting that he's only 27 years old and now, you know, has won in St. Louis. He's won in Vegas. So like you said, I think that could, you know, spike interest and maybe he gets, you know, overpaid for. But 
for him, it doesn't really matter as long as he gets the money that he thinks he's worth. And even though they both still have one more year left on their deal, I'm also interested to see if there's any development in terms of an extension for either Chandler Stevenson or Jonathan Marchessault. Marchessault, 32 years old, uh, going into the final year of his deal, $5 million contract right now. I imagine you know if he continues to play to the level that he did all year, including in the playoffs, I see no reason why the Knights wouldn't be interested in extending him. I think Chandler Stevenson as well, only 29, uh, only making 2.7 million this past season. Not as big of a name as Marshall or some of the other guys on the on the roster, but a, a really key contributor uh, to what the Vegas Golden Knights were able to build this past season. So I'm interested to see if there's any development or if we straight up see an extension at some point, either later in the offseason or maybe in the early stages of the preseason. And you kind of touched on it a little bit ago at the end of what you were saying, but the final thing I want to touch on with this VGK team, do you think that they actually can repeat? Do you think that this is a recipe for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Because the way I see it, I think it's a similar structure, but I'm not quite ready to say that their goaltending was as steady as maybe what Tampa Bay had in Vasilevsky. But I think Tampa Bay also had an interesting mix where they had that elite goaltender, but they also had a similar defensive structure and defensive personnel that Vegas had. So do you think that maybe... You know, if whether it's Aiden Hill or not, I mean, do you think this team is poised for a repeat? Because they're also a little bit different than Colorado, where, you know, Colorado still had guys injured from the offseason that, you know, whether it was Landis Gog or other guys that maybe never got fully healthy recovering in the offseason. Do you think this is a, a repeatable team or do, do you think it goes the cup goes somewhere else next year? Uh, that's a great question. I I think as it stands right now, they are going to have to hit on a bunch of different things in order to be a cup winner again next season. And you look at the teams on the rise in the West. I mean, you've got, you know, in the central division, you've got the Dallas stars, you've got Colorado is always dangerous. You've got in the Pacific, the Los Angeles Kings, hoping to take another big step. The Seattle Kraken hoping to now further themselves an additional step. And so I think they were able to come together at the right time uh, to win this cup. The question is going to be for them is, you know, how do they cultivate all that depth that ended up winning them all these postseason games and with some questions on the back end and some money that's going to have to be allocated there, does it allow you to have that same level of third, fourth line depth that teams just can't match. And so I will say they'll I'd be shocked if they're not a playoff team next year. But it just it just doesn't have that same feel that the Tampa Bay Lightning had of a team that just has all these pieces. They've got Andre Vasilevsky, the world beater goalie, who when things are going wrong, was able to stand up and win games on his own. It, it just doesn't quite have that same feel to it. And so for now, I'll say they won't repeat, but what do we know about Vegas? They are not afraid to make bold moves. And so if they do something to kind of keep this roster competitive while also turning it over, I will uh, definitely reserve the right to uh, change my mind. And with Bruce Cassidy at the helm, it always seems like you know, his teams play incredibly hard and they always have a chance to to compete for titles. So I I agree. I think that's it's almost a lock that they're a playoff team next year. And, and then it's a matter of how these other Western Conference teams adjust in order to 
combat uh, what the Vegas Golden Knights have built in terms of their roster. Obviously, still very early and and too early to tell, but certainly uh, as you know, the Vegas Golden Knights start to to sober up and and get prepared for this offseason, I'm sure a lot of those players will get back on the grind and and get ready to defend their title. Uh, for, but from one Pacific team riding an all time high to another one hoping to reach the mountaintop sometime in the future. Uh, we move on from the Vegas Golden Knights to talk a little bit about the Vancouver Canucks uh, with some pretty shocking news uh, at the start of the weekend as they buy out defenseman Oliver Ekman Larson. And Seth and I are going to talk about that buyout and the implications of it here coming up in just a second. But first, we want to say thank you to one of the sponsors of today's episode, and that's our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, and it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts and the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guarantee fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I want to thank you again for making Locked On NHL your first listen of the day. Dane Lewis, Seth Topal here to break down all of the news coming out of the Western Conference here this offseason and, of course, in the regular season as well. But sometimes the offseason can be just as entertaining or as shocking as the regular season. And we got hit with some pretty big news out of Vancouver. I believe it was on Friday. Uh, and so maybe the story got swept away a little bit with Vegas's parade and Father's Day weekend and all of that. But Oliver Ekman Larson, the 31-year-old defenseman, has been bought out by the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, he was, in, I guess, kind of in the middle of an eight-year deal that he signed while in Arizona a deal worth $66 million. He signed that deal in 2018 and was traded to Vancouver in 2021. $29 million remaining on this deal. It is an eight-year buyout for the Vancouver Canucks. And from everything I could gather, it seemed like the Canucks were not necessarily planning to buy anyone out this summer. And even what Larson and his agent had to say after all this news broke, it seemed like this was a surprise to them as well. Uh, Seth, your, your thoughts on this buyout? And I mean, is this something that took you by surprise? I know a lot of Vancouver fans are relieved, but your thoughts on this whole situation? Because I know you and I both uh, are familiar with with buyouts as of late, or at least players that have been bought out, maybe in my case. <laughs> How is it possible that Arizona ends up being the biggest loser of this situation? <laughs> like, I was just looking at all the particulars, and I think it was, I think it was Evolving Hockey had a tweet. Um, I'm not... 100% on who, but I know the tweet was out there in saying that because he was bought out, Arizona loses one of their salary retention slots. I believe it was for the duration of the buyout, which is, look, buyout situations as somebody who is going through two substantially big ones, um, it, it's not fun it's something that you as a GM, you as an owner, like you sit there, especially if the player doesn't live up to that type of contract and 
66 years or uh, $66 million over eight years for Oliver Ekman Larson was a head scratcher at the time that it was signed it was a head scratcher when he was traded to Vancouver. And honestly, probably the most logical part of the whole process was the buyout. But this is what happens is teams try to get players to go to, in this case, go to Arizona and you try to get them to stay. And a lot of times you have to offer a long term and a lot of money. And so it just, it's just funny to me that Arizona got bit by signing the, uh, by offering the extension right off the bat. And now they get bit again by a player that they signed who's no longer on the team getting bought out. It just, it, the NHL rules on contracts are just so funny to me. Yeah, it's such a bizarre situation and one that I imagine is not easy for, for Ekman Larson either because, uh, like you said, that I mean, you, you can talk about the implications for the teams, but now, you know, this is twice that, you know, obviously Arizona, once they gave him that extension, didn't, didn't, were not interested in his services any longer. And then you get sent to a place like Vancouver, which, you know, is arguably one of the toughest places to be over the past few years. Like of the amount of stories that we've heard of, you know, the lock, the locker room environment, not being great. You lose Bo Horvat halfway through the year, your captain, uh, coaching changes, front office adjustments. I, I mean, it has not been an easy place to to be a hockey player and mix all of that with the fact that this is a passionate fan base that wants to see this team be successful. And they, they've, you know, expressed how they felt over the past few seasons. And we know that Larson can be a good player that he's a 55 point scorer in 2015, 2016, 21 goals in that season and 75 games played. Like we know that this is a guy who has skill, but it seems like he's been put in two places just at the wrong time. And so now with Ekman Larson set to be able to sign anywhere on July 1st, where, where do you think he goes? I mean, what do you think the next move is for him? Do you think that this is a case of if he gets put in the right system, he can be utilized correctly? Or is there too much damage done at this point in his career? I think if he gets put in the right situation, he can be a serviceable player now that he's not attached to um, that amount of money in terms of a contract. And for me, again, back to kind of the buyout side, I always look at things a little more critically because of the fact that the Wild are dealing with two of them at the same time. At the end of the day for Vancouver, this isn't a break the bank type of buyout it caps at uh, just under 4.8 million per season in 2025 2026 and 2026 2027 but beyond that it's like 2 million 2.3 million um for the duration so that's that's very doable for a team that is trying to work their way back into prominence in the western conference but for ekman larson i mean for him, he is getting paid this year without, you know, without playing for Vancouver. So he can be a little more selective on fit. So I wonder if he goes to a team that is um, a little more established, a little closer to winning a cup and can just be like a second or a third pairing guy. I know I, I saw mentioned on Twitter that he potentially was linked to Boston on the, uh, I think it was the 32 thoughts podcast. So maybe, 
maybe he goes there, signs for relatively cheap, um, and tries to uh, win a cup and just tries to kind of get some positive momentum going into a, another contract um, potentially next offseason. Absolutely. Boston, Boston is really the only team I've heard so far as well that he's potentially been linked to. Uh, you want to talk about going to, quote-unquote, the right place that feels like a pretty good place to go. Uh, the winners of the President's Trophy, a lot of good going on in Boston right now, it seems, even though the team could potentially look a little bit different. Uh, I think uh, with Jim Montgomery up there and the job he did coaching that team, I think that that would be a pretty good environment for him to you know, learn. It feels weird to say develop his game as a 31-year-old, but maybe retool his game a little bit uh, and find a way to be effective that maybe isn't what he used to do or how he used to play in Arizona or even you know those couple of years in Vancouver. But for the Canucks also, I know a lot of fans, again, were excited about the buyout because it does open up a little bit of cap space for them. They now sit around $6.4 million. And, you know, it's not a ton of money. It's not as much money as some other teams, but it is nice to have a little bit of money to work with. And maybe, you know, you throw in some some other trades or some other moves this offseason and you start to feel a little bit better if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan. I obviously don't anticipate them being a, you know, championship contender, but I think that the fans would be pretty excited if they're at least playing meaningful games post All-Star break. And as weird as as the wild card race can get in the Western Conference, I mean, who who knows? I mean, two years ago, this team was on the verge of, of getting into a wild card spot. And so everyone thought this past year that they would finally get there. But now, you know, new coach Rick Tockett finally will get a full year as the new head coach. Although uh, we thought the same with Bruce Boudreau and we saw how that worked out. But if you're a Canucks fan, I feel like as weird of a situation as this is, it's probably a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think fans want to see this team start to kind of clear out some of the the mud off the roster, so to speak. And so you see moves like this happening, freeing up roster spots, getting bad contracts off the books. They'll They'll take that as progress as Rick Tockett tries to further kind of cultivate his roster and uh, tries to get this thing further back on track. Absolutely, and we're apparently just covering all of our bases with the Pacific Division today, but that's just kind of how, how it is sometimes uh, week to week here. But with another Pacific Division team, a little bit lower than the Vancouver Canucks, the San Jose Sharks looking to have a busy offseason to get themselves closer to being a competitive team yet again, and part of that might be moving on from the likely uh, Norris Trophy winner, Eric Carlson and Seth and I will talk about whether or not he should be traded from the Sharks and if it'll even happen coming up next. Third and final segment of the Locked On NHL podcast, Western Conference Tuesdays, Dane Lewis, Seth Topal here to get you sent on your way. And this is a, a player that we'll probably be following pretty heavily here over the next few weeks and months. Eric Carlson probably going to win the Norris Trophy, a phenomenal season with the Sharks, 101 points, 25 goals, and all 82 games played. I know there's been some health issues with Carlson in the past, but I had a, a fully healthy season, and even though the Sharks weren't competitive, he was very, very good, and it feels like now would potentially be the time to trade a player like Eric Carlson because of those injury concerns. He is starting to get up there in age just a little bit at 33 years old, Obviously, you can have guys still be effective in their late 30s, but with the defenseman, especially with the track record that Carlson has, it feels like if you're the Sharks, you kind of you, you want to look to move on now. But the question is, Seth, who in their right mind would be willing to take on that contract that Eric Carlson has? Do you, do you see him getting moved this offseason? 
Well, and that's the biggest roadblock too, is that contract. And you, if you're the Sharks, it's highly unlikely that Carlson has another 100 point season. Highly unlikely. Just there's a lot that has to happen for a defenseman to have that type of year. And so you're trying to maximize his potential return by trading him at the peak of his value. But teams know that. And teams know I'm not getting a 100-point player when I trade for him. I'm getting a solid offensive defenseman and a guy who has put up good seasons on bad teams. And so I just I wonder. I know when we were in the trade deadline during the season, there was a lot of steam that it may make more sense to try to trade him around the draft. And I wonder with how deep this draft is, if the Sharks use that as an opportunity to accumulate another draft pick in return, another high pick uh, to send a player like that um, to another team. Now, the one that has been linked through uh, Jeff Merrick is the Florida Panthers, but that was kind of just as a throw-in because I don't think there's really any way that that could happen. But I look at it with draft capital and who are those teams in like the 15 to 10 range that are maybe just had a bad season, have some cap room, but are a team that would probably be better suited acquiring a player for that type of draft capital, as opposed to putting somebody in the system, letting them develop and then come up to the NHL level um, within the next couple of years it's still, it comes down to that contract. And so I, I would have to say, I lean more towards it's not going to happen, but if it is going to happen, I feel like it's going to be around the draft. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it puts the sharks in such a bizarre situation. Cause I agree. I don't think Carlson's going to score a hundred points again. I, I mean, I, I don't want to be the negative person in the room, but I don't, I mean, he might not even, you know, break 50. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, especially, with his track record in San Jose, he never had scored above 50 points in a season until this past one. So, I mean, you could, you know, very well have a, a situation where you have this guy who the value is high right now, even with that, that cap, you know, the cap hit that he would, you know, require for a team. I imagine the Sharks would probably be willing to retain some of it, but even if you retain 30%, that's still around $8 million that you're having to pay for. It helps a little bit, but that's also a lot of money. And even if you are a team making that trade with that retention, again, you might not be getting the 100-point score. You might not be getting the 50-point score. But also, if you're the Sharks, you don't trade him this offseason. He has a, a mediocre season at best. Then his value's down, and then you you find yourself stuck with this contract until 2027. That's the other thing with this contract is it isn't an $11.5 million cap hit just this year or the next two seasons. I mean, you're stuck with Carlson until 26-27, and I mean, you don't want to, obviously that's not the end all be all for where this rebuild is headed, but having that contract on your books and having a player like that on the roster would probably hamper the the rebuild even longer. And it feels like the sharks have already kind of been in this place for a while now where they've had to be patient and, you know, holding on to Carlson might kind of be like a, Hey, be a little bit more patient. Whereas it feels like you could get good draft capital or a decent return. Uh, and, you know, it, it's a messy situation and it's a tricky one and not a lot of teams could make the deal. But I mean, the, the Sharks are just in a really odd spot where it doesn't necessarily feel like there's a right or wrong decision to be made.
selfishly, and I know you'll agree with me on this, I would just love to see the Sharks package their first-round pick and Carlson to Chicago for the number one overall pick. Get Connor Bedard so that you and I don't have to see him yes. for the next 10 years. And and they could do it. I mean, they have a second first-round pick courtesy of New Jersey, but I also just don't think Chicago would... Because <laughs> Chicago, yeah. if San Jose is not close to being done with the rebuild, Chicago is nowhere near. And adding Carlson to that equation, you know, not, not the smartest on their end, but, you know... It is Chicago. Yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately for us, I don't think Chicago's answering the phone. No, definitely not. They're smarter than that. <laughs> You'd hope. But <laughs> I, I would think they are. NHL executives tend to be pretty smart people. But again, some the crazier things have happened, I feel like. But but Carlson in a weird situation, I'm sure he I, I don't know. I, I I'm curious to know where he lies in all this too. Of you know, he's 33 years old. And would you know probably like to win a Stanley Cup at some point? He's won a he's won two Norris trophies before. He's probably winning his third. You know he's come close to winning the cup, but you'd think he'd like to go somewhere where he can compete. Where you know he's probably getting near the end of the days where he can you know chip in and contribute. And so I, I've seen you know all the rumors. I know Edmonton's a pretty big one. Uh, even some articles on the Athletics saying the Dallas Stars would be a long shot, and I I don't think that would be a wise move for the Stars overall, but. I would imagine that he's likely interested as as fun of a season as he just had in San Jose. You'd think a guy, given where he's at in his career path, would probably like to go to a, a competitor at this point. Yeah, I think the 100-point season is one of those that you can now check that box off. But yeah, if it's me, if I'm over the age 30 hill, I'm going all cup. Like I, I'm doing whatever I need to do to come away with the cup. Obviously he doesn't have to worry about a contract because that's taken care of. So now your priority, you would assume shifts to let's go get that stand. Let's go get that Stanley cup somewhere. Um, and so I would imagine he's going to be pretty open to getting moved if the situation is right. But again, just cannot stress enough that that contract is going to be a major <laughs> issue in making this happen. Yeah, the, the cap hit and also a no move clause on the contract. So it would, Oof. Carlson would need to be willing to, to go to wherever, uh, which again, if it's a Stanley Cup, you know, caliber team, you would imagine that he would be interested. But the Sharks, that, that's probably another reason why he wouldn't, why the Chicago deal would not work out because Carlson would probably <laughs> not be interested in going from one lottery team to another. But, you know, if Edmonton or Dallas comes knocking on the door or maybe a team from the Eastern Conference, uh, I imagine Carlson and, and the Sharks would probably be interested. Uh, and what they have to say. But again, especially with the draft coming up, something that I'm sure you and I will be keeping a close eye on, as well as all of the other big storylines across the Western Conference. It's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on NHL. Uh, you can find myself uh, at Dane double underscore Lewis on Twitter. And if you're interested in anything Dallas Stars related, just search Locked on Stars on social media, as well as YouTube or wherever you find your podcast. Seth, where can all the people find you? At Seth Topes, T-O-U-P-S on Twitter. You can also follow the show at Locked on Wild as we maneuver the offseason and get you set for next season. Make sure to follow along and uh, we'll keep you up to date every step of the way. Absolutely. And the NHL draft coming up very, very soon. This time next week, I believe we'll be a day away from the draft. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to discuss there in terms of who's getting picked and where they will be heading. 
I have a pretty good idea of who's going number one, but everything after that kind of up in the air. And Seth and I will be here to discuss all of that and any other big news out of the Western Conference. But thank you again for listening to Locked on NHL, for making us your first listen of the day. Uh, make, make sure you tune in next week uh, as we, again, cover the NHL draft and anything else coming out of the West. But hope you guys enjoy your Tuesday, and we'll catch you next time.